0: Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount at United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Reading this morning, and the sermon text comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in the fourth chapter, and we're going to take a look at verses 12 through 23. So, again, this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. It says, Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, who is he? Jesus, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers. God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, one of the best pieces of advice I received when I was in seminary was by a professor who expounded on the benefits of reading scripture aloud, not just as preachers as part of a worship service and not as a liturgist as part of a worship service, but that any time that you open God's holy written. We would all be well advised to read it out loud, even if we were by ourselves. And his reasoning was that it allowed us a chance to slow down and carefully drink in what it was that was in front of us, instead of just skimming through it, as we may have a habit to do as we're reading to ourselves. And he said this was particularly important, given the fact that most of our Bibles have headings. They kind of prompt you as to what the following verses are going to contain. For example, in the verses that I just read, my Bible has two headings. Yours might as well. For verses 12 through 17, my Bible has the heading, Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. And in verses 18 through 23, I have the heading, Jesus calls the first disciples. And quite honestly, when I was trying to discern what text of scripture to preach upon this week, When I saw those two headings for this particular section of Matthew, my mind immediately went to fishers of men, and I figured that, well, they've probably heard about fishers of men over and over again, particularly given where it is that we live in our state. And honestly, I didn't feel moved by these verses, and so I looked for something else. But I kept being drawn back to this section in Matthew. And so it was that I found myself in this sanctuary on Tuesday morning. I had my Bible with me, and I was recording a morning prayer episode for a little podcast that I have. But when I was done, I flipped back to this section, and I read it, but this time I read it out loud, slowly and carefully and deliberately. And fishers of men was the furthest thing from my heart after I was done. So I read it again, just to be sure. And what I found myself being drawn to and being shown time and time again were the words that Jack read from the prophet Isaiah, which are repeated here, that says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Light as dawn. And so that got me to thinking about light. Because we have kind of a strange relationship with light, don't we? Sometimes we hunger for light. We desire it, we need it, and when it comes incrementally, we can't wait for more and more and more of it. Here's what I mean. Who knows what December 21st usually is? The shortest daylight day of the year it's the day where we have the least amount of sunlight now we all know it starts to get darker once we do that fall back nonsense with the clocks but december 21st is the least amount of sunlight that we have in mania this past december 21st we only got nine hours and 43 minutes of sunlight that's it now, on the other end, who knows what June 21st usually is? That's the longest day. That's the day we have the most sunlight, which for us, coming up in 2023, will be roughly 14 hours and 35 minutes of light. And so from December 21st until June 21st, at increments of anywhere from 20 to 30 seconds to a couple of minutes, we get more and more and more light. And we love it, don't we? There's an energy and a joy which perceptively increases as the days lengthen and the light of the sun illuminates more and more of our waking moments. We find ourselves enjoying the light, but also always wanting more and more and more. But then on the other hand, too much light too soon can leave us feeling another kind of way, can it? Too much light coming at us too quickly can make us feel uncomfortable. I can remember many mornings growing up being in my bed under the covers as cozy as I could possibly be and then all of a sudden my mom busted in and turned the lights on (laughs) to get me up and ready for school. Anybody else in here knows what that feels like to be startled from sleep to wake to go from dark to light immediately? Of course, she'd also come in singing and whatnot, and that was the last thing that I wanted to hear (laughs) in the morning. And to be fair, now, I picked that mantle up in our house. I like to pop into the kids' room and flip the light on and get them up and see them kind of shake a little bit from the shock. But it's uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't like that amount of light all at once, do we? Because it disturbs us from what we were doing. It disturbs us from what we were comfortable with. It changes us from doing what we wanted to be doing and so the coming of light can be welcomed or unwelcomed can it and a lot of it depends upon what it is we are experiencing at the time in what season of life we might be in now this church season of epiphany recognizes that the light has come i find it interesting that on our darkest day of the year It comes just a few days before we celebrate the birth of the light coming into the world. And here in Matthew 4, we get glimpses of how that light is experienced as both law and gospel. Light experienced as both law and gospel. Not either or, but both and, which for the people of God, is how it should be. When Jesus tells us to repent in verse 17, this is the law. And I think it hits us, if we're being honest, with that same kind of uncomfortable feeling as we have when we get woken up in the mornings with a bright light being shown in us in the darkness. Why? Because we don't like being blasted by a bright light when all we want to do is sleep. Let me say that again. We don't like being blasted by a bright light when all we want to do is sleep. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. He says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleeper, awake. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Paul here is talking about deeds done in the darkness and how the light of Christ calls us to wake up even as it exposes and makes visible what was hidden in the shade. The light of God's word shines, exposes, and calls us to repentance. Matthew quotes the words of Isaiah about the light shining in order to set up the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Notice, the very first word that Jesus says here is repent, in verse 17. Now, we do have Jesus talking with John the Baptist uh, earlier in Matthew. We have Jesus talking with the devil when he's in the wilderness. But his public preaching begins with calling us to repentance. Exposing the light of God's law calls us to be repentant. And like sleeping kids, our natural inclination may be to bury our head in the darkness and to hide from the exposing light. We don't want to have our sleep interrupted, do we? But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Jesus has more to say and do, which blinds us with the glory of God's law and reveals our dark failings. And in the same breath, Jesus announces that the kingdom, the reign of God is at hand. The dawn of a new day has begun. And we sang about this dawn just a few weeks ago at the end of our Christmas Eve service. Silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. With the birth of Jesus, friends, the gracious, redeeming love of God shines afresh. Where does that light need to be pointed in your life? Where does this uncomfortable blast of light need to shine? One of my commentaries this week said this, True repentance involves a change of mind, a change of affections, a change of desires, a change of direction, a change of life, and a change of destination. What changes do you need to make? Now, while too much light too quickly can be as painful as this direct call to repentance, Matthew's quotation of Isaiah and the application of Jesus gives us the assurance, friends, that Jesus' presence is not just a consuming fire, but is also a cleansing coal from the altar of God. God does not just expose, he shines. He does not just wound, he binds up. This language from the quote from Isaiah is good news which is what gospel means, doesn't it? If this light of Christ is to be experienced as the law, calling us to repentance, then thanks be to God that the good news or gospel of Jesus Christ includes the fact that from honest repentance comes divine forgiveness. God wants to save and forgive you. Over the past several weeks, I've been walking through the 1662 book of Common Prayer. Morning prayers and evening prayers, and in both of them are calls to repentance and words of absolution. And no matter how many times I read it, I find great beauty, joy, comfort, and almost a feeling of unworthiness. When in the part that speaks about the forgiveness of my sins, it says, among others, these words Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live. He pardoneth and absolveth all those who truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. He pardons all who truly repent and believe his holy gospel. Friends, God wants you to be ready for when Jesus comes back. He's giving us all a chance. He's giving us the answers to the test question is, do we listen? Because here's where that uncomfortable blast of law light leads us. That as we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe it in our hearts and find ourselves being convicted or led or urged or prompted by the Holy Spirit to turn more and more of our lives over to him, we experience incrementally more and more Jesus. More and more grace. More and more mercy. More and more joy. More and more love. More and more strength. More and more hope. More and more life. More and more light, friend. And we don't have to go at it alone. Ask God for help. Cry out to Jesus for help. Pray for the strength to give more and more of your life over to the Holy Spirit. And what you will find is like we all hunger for more and more daylight as winter turns to spring, you will find yourself hungering for more and more Jesus. You will want more and more of the light. What one little thing can you do this week to get a little more light in your life? so, friends, as we engage in Bible reading, as we engage in prayer, in small groups, in Sunday school, in worship, as we find more and more light and find more and more light, the question then is, well, what do we do then? We serve. As you keep on reading in Matthew, you get to chapter 5. And in chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says to his followers, which would be us, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp post, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, as good Wesleyans, we know this to be works of piety and works of mercy. Love of God and love of neighbor. Or like we like to say around here, personal holiness and social witness. So, friends, yes, light can either be comfortable or uncomfortable, depending upon where we find ourselves. But so can our walk with the light of the world. Although I must say that if you find yourself at any point being too comfortable for too long, you might want to see if you've allowed yourself to slip back under the covers and fall asleep. But, friends, don't be afraid of it. Allow that blast of light to show you those places in your life that you need to change to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. And then, seek more and more of that light, day after day after day, to stay recharged and energized as we go out into the world to be disciples that make disciples. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.